Hi, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. And I'm Molly Williams. Join us as we take you on a musical journey of 40 years, 14 albums, countless great songs, and lots of great Duran Duran memories. From the band's self-titled debut album in 1981, through to the Paper Gods release in 2015, and, fingers crossed, a new album in 2021, the Duran Duran Albums podcast celebrates each of the studio albums while telling the story of the band. We chat through each album track by track, pick some of our favourite songs and memories from when the album was first released, and ask podcast listeners to give us their thoughts on each record. And we'll also have interviews with other Duran Duran fans throughout the course of this series, as well as extra episodes on everything from non-album songs, favourite gigs and the band's various side projects. So while you might want to save a prayer till the morning after, listen to the podcast now. Subscribe, spread the word, and celebrate 40 years of great music on the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. Molly, the day has finally arrived. It's no longer in the future. It's not even the past. It is our present. The new Duran Duran album, number 15 from the studio, Future Past. I can't believe that it's here. And I've spent the whole of today listening to it from the moment I've got up to the moment we've started recording this. What a day. And, you know, you, you said the right word. It has been a present for the present, indeed, because I've been the same, um, you know, as soon as I got up this morning, got it downloaded, and it has just been on all day long. And man, what a great day. I mean, I always love Fridays anyways, but this has been a fantastic Friday. And do you know what's been really, I mean, obviously, as each song was dropping from Invisible, Anniversary, etc., the excitement was building, but I felt this week, obviously, it's been the countdown. And then some people have been posting reviews, that people have been lucky enough to hear it. And so you just that kind of sense of anticipation is building. So I kind of mixture of excitement, but there's still that, for me, there's still that nervousness because you're so desperate to really love it. Probably actually even more than I've done, even when I was a teenager listening to Duran Duran, with that absolute hope that I wasn't going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's been really interesting. And one of the th- thoughts that was kind of running through my head today was, you know, we've been, we're up to about nine albums in their discography, aren't we, in our podcasts. And there have been some real clangers that we've been talking about just recently. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if that's going to affect my, my judgment of future past, because have I just been really, really hoping that they got over their crap 90s spell and it was just going to be great? Or was it, was it going to be like, oh God, maybe they, they shouldn't have been lasting this long. But um, yeah, it, I hope that I have had a, a fairly objective view and listen of it all and it is fantastic and yes I am a fan but I think I'm the sort of fan that will call a spade a spade and if it's shit it's shit but I really I can't I can't fault any of this to be perfectly honest I'm the same as you and I I think it's interesting that for me it kind of it took me back to being like 15 again when the first album came out and I think Mark Machernick, who I've interviewed in a previous podcast, had said, it was a brilliant line that he said, listening to music is the closest thing you'll ever get to time travel. And I mean, I was listening to Future Past and it was making me think of 
Duran Duran over the years, it felt like that. that there was times where I'm thinking, you know, going back and telling my 15-year-old self, do you know you'll still be listening to this band in 40 years' time? And not only that, you'll be listening to their new album in 40 years' time, and I'd have been, and that would have just blown my mind. Does now, it actually. <laughs> I think it would have blown my mind as well, just because it's like, damn, I actually make it to that sort of age, <laughs> first and foremost. But yeah, this album, because it, they've done such a lovely mix of it, they have, they have given so many nods to their past but they're still progressive and they're still contemporary. And it has quite blown my mind, actually. I am quite giddy with, with how excited I am about this, which is really weird because, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, that's the way that I was when I was 12, 13, 14 years old when Duran Duran and Rio came out. But I haven't felt like that doing the reviews for their, for their other albums. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty special day. And I should say as well, we'd, we'd mentioned this before, that this will be the first of two future past podcast because what we thought we'd do is we'd record this one in the night of, of the, the release to get an initial reaction after we've listened to it a few times because it's just been on rotation in our heads all day and then once it comes to you know its proper place as number 15 we'll do another podcast and get back through it because I'm quite interested to see even just in the passage of time over the next couple of months when you've listened to it how you feel about it how that'll evolve or change at all I mean my initial reaction is kind of like yours I'm thinking I mean, it's incredible they're writing new music after 40 years. But what they're writing is what makes me, I'm astounded because I think this is just, in first listen and second listen, third listen and fourth listen, there's some songs on there that are just masterful. I agree. But I do, I do wonder, and I know we'll, we'll be getting on to some of the reviews that have come out just before the release of the, of the album. And I do wonder, is this a, this, is this a, a fans-only Duran Duran album? Or do you think that they'll actually gain a new audience with this album? Well, do you know what I think some of it is? I mean, I think Radio 2 this time have been quite supportive of the songs that have come out so far. I think some of it's beholden on the, the music press and the wider music uh, industry, i.e., like, for example, radio stations, that I've heard some of the songs, and I think, you know, even some of the more contemporary music stations like BBC Six Music, there's times where, you know, if another band had released more joy, for example, they would have been playing that. And saying that they've been their song of the day, their song of the week, but because they see Duran Duran, I think they sometimes they can be a bit dismissive. Mm. I, I do think for them it's a celebration of their 40 years, but I think people have to go beyond even just the name that might have that kind of prejudice to look at the, the songwriting skills in terms of pop music or popular music. They're taking their place there as you know, the right front and center and showing that they can still do it after all these years. Yeah, I agree, and I think. Goodness knows, over the last few months, they have to be the hardest working guys in pop music because they are everywhere. And I don't know, I don't think it's just because I've got an awareness doing the podcast about Duran Duran, because they just seem to be on everything going. You know, they're on that world, I don't even know what it was called, but like the, the world broadcast with all the various bands playing across the globe and that sort of thing. They're on there and yeah, they're just everywhere. Well, what we thought we'd do before we start going through it track by track, and what we've done is we've, because we're super fans, obviously, we've decided to go with the uh, deluxe edition, uh, which is the 15 tracks, there's three extra tracks from the, the normal album, the 12-track album. But what we thought we'd do, first of all, is just we've got a wee quote from each of the kind of four founding members of the band. And it was I think it was a Newsweek magazine interview that they gave, uh, which was a really positive interview. So the first was a quote we got from Nick Rhodes, 
who said of uh, Future Past, when we make a new album, it needs to be a Duran Duran album, but it needs to feel contemporary as well. So striking that balance often can be quite tricky. And once we've achieved it, if we've got it right, that's sort of the heart of what we do. And with this album, I think we're pretty confident that we've hit that criteria. And I would have to totally agree with that one. And I think an interesting word that he's used here is confident. And I think we've talked about in previous podcasts before about some of the albums maybe aren't as strong because they seem to have lost their way and lost their confidence. But my goodness, they are 200% confident on this album, I think. Yeah, because I, I, I thought they sound as if they're right at the top of their game. And I just got this picture of the four of them, plus Graham Coxon playing the guitar, sitting in the studio, recording each of the songs and looking at each other with a smile as if to say, yeah, we're good at this, aren't we? Absolutely. And I'll just move on to John Taylor's quote that, that he's put in. And I've read a couple of articles now where he's been talking about it. And it just reinforces he is an absolute, almost a historian of music. And he really, really knows his stuff. The fact that, he, that they've been doing it for 40 years, they are experts. If you, if you have done anything for 40 years, you are going to be top of the field really. And I think it's just so obvious how much they still love this stuff. So anyway, what John has said is, um, a couple of years ago, we were starting to think about the anniversary of the first album. Our manager in particular was getting quite excited about it. We needed to come up with all these ways of celebrating it. I felt like the closer that we got to it, the less appetite that we all got for making a big thing about it. What band celebrates 40 years? Rolling Stones. Um, you've had the same job for 40 years. Who wants to celebrate that? totally get that vibe. I think it was Nick who said the best thing we could do, we could really do is always make a good new album. But that, I think that's, I know what he's, what he's saying about that, but actually conversely, and I think when Anniversary, the song came out, to me that crystallised it was, and we, we spoke about this before, there are very few bands that not only last 40 years, but are still making new music after 40 years, because you could still last or come back and just do the whole regurgitate all the songs that everybody loves, which, you know, it's just fine. But I think in order for them to keep going and do new things. So I think you should celebrate that because it's a it's a real proper milestone. And they've produced more than just a, a good new album. They've produced a fantastic new album. And, you know, I kind of like to think, just like listening to some of the lyrics in the songs, I like to think this is them saying thank you to the fans as well. Because I, I just really feel like there's, I don't know, some sort of, vibe that Simon was sending out over the album and it, it's like thank you for coming along for the ride <laughs> Roger Taylor your favourite of course he talked one of the producers on it is a guy called Errol Alkin and Roger says of working with Errol he says at first that we thought we'll just try him for a few days because he really came from a DJ background the energy he brought into the room was just in fire he really brought something amazing out of us we definitely still have a foot in the dance floor because that's where Errol came from and again when people if you haven't already heard it there are some toe tappers in amongst all those songs you sound like you're about 75 a right toe tapper <laughs> and then last but not least we have um simon Lebon, and he said it's very easy to take what you've learned and the expertise you've been able to gain for granted you shouldn't do that. If you spend this long doing something, you've got quite good at it. It gives you more incentive to stick at it. And I love that because, you know, just like you were just saying, you know, it would be so easy for bands who've been around for 30, 40, 50 years just to regurgitate 
the same old, same old and just do their back catalog. But, you know, this is, this is saying to me that these guys are still hungry, like the wolf, to, to make good new music. Absolutely. And Simon's voice, it has to be said, is pretty special on this album. It's definitely changed, but it's, it is really good. And, and that's one of the things that, that I had commented upon on one of the songs, because, you know, we all age. Our voices will age alongside that. But his, his has done very well. So I assume he's been looking after it all these years to make sure that he can still warble away. Absolutely. What we're going to do is we're going to get through the tracks and we'll maybe do the, as I say, we're doing 15 from the deluxe version. So we'll do the first eight and then we'll, in the middle, we'll just take a wee break and we'll read some of the, the kind of pre-album release reviews that appeared online, just a wee bit from each of them. The first song, and we'll, the ones that have already go out, we've obviously spoke about them in the, the podcast before. So people will kind of know our thoughts on them. All I'll say, Invisible starts the album. As you know, and as everybody who listens knows, I like a good, strong uh, opening track. And for me, Invisible really ticks all the boxes with that. It's a great way. New song, Duran Duran sound, but very contemporary. And I think it's a brilliant way to start the album. I do as well. And and I've said all along when, when we have listened to the singles that this is a, is a great tune. And I think it's, it's a great way to start off the album because... Yes, it is Duran Duran. You can tell that it's Duran Duran, but it's still got something different to it. And hopefully that will, you know, prick up the ears of of any new listeners and go, oh, they aren't just a bunch of has-beens. Now, the first of the new tracks that we hadn't heard until today, all of you, track two and the album, what did you think? This one, this is actually the one that I had mentioned about Simon's voice definitely having aged, but not in a bad way. So I think it was off this this second track that you could definitely identify that it was Duran Duran, but just slightly more mature, but definitely my first impression like this one. And over the recent podcasts that, that the last albums that we've been looking at, it's taken a good few listens to the songs to, to kind of warm up to them. But this one straight away. Yep. This is a winner. Yeah. I love the bass opening. To the song before the kind of drums and then Simon's voice kicks in. I thought it was brilliant. I thought there was a, it was a real disco track for me. I thought this obviously the band were very influenced by disco by Chic in particular, and I felt this was a a song to dance to, but a classic kind of disco song, especially the chorus. Yeah, and um, I read another article with an interview with John Taylor, and um, he had talked about. I think it was when they were working with Errol that he really made them focus and bring out the best they possibly could with it with each of their individual instruments and i have throughout this whole album you can hear john's thumping bass and it is so typically duran duran it's so typically john taylor and what he was saying was that you know when they first started out he never had any lessons he just kind of picked it up and and played like his his musical heroes but you can see that the man is a great bass player talent. Yeah, because quite often I think the songs we can hear, obviously Nick's influence, but I, th- I think I agree with you in this album in particular, I think John's never played better. The John and Roger combination is just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. The next song is Give It All Up, which we heard a shortened version of on, I think it was an American TV show, which they played, and people were a wee bit lukewarm about it. But I think when you hear the full version in the album, and it features, it's a, it's a Swedish singer-songwriter called Tove Lowe, 
I think the songs sitting within the album and also heart addition into the song, I really like this. Whereas before, I was kind of I was kind of nonplussed about it. So I do have a, a much greater appreciation of it now. You know, I'm totally surprised. I did not even link this song to be the one that they did on the American Morning Show. Wow, I'm blown away because I didn't like that one particularly at all. But this, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. And I saw that, is this going to be the next single that they're going to release as well? Yeah, they, they released it on Tuesday, I think it was, just ahead of the album coming out. So I think that was just in, in the lead up to it. That was just another song from it. Right. But but yeah, I mean, I have always, some of my favorite Duran Duran songs have been the ones where Simon does a duet with a, with another artist. and. I don't really know Tove Lo. Um, I was just reading up some stuff about her and apparently she's a, it's dark pop that she pedals, whatever the hell that means. But um, yeah, I just thought it was such a, again, just such a great collaboration between the, um, the two voices. And it, it always just seems to, to lift Simon just that little bit more to, to have somebody to bounce off of like that. So yeah, I, fantastic song. I thought she sounded a wee bit like Miley Cyrus. Hmm. Funnily enough, yes, I have listened to a bit more Miley Cyrus than I ever have done over the last few months. And yeah, she's all right. <laughs> the next song is another one that we've, we've heard already, Anniversary. I loved it live when I saw them live down in Birmingham. It's a great tribute to themselves. I love the idea of it. And again, it's just a really, really good... That We knew we were saying earlier on about how you feel the album. It's a kind of thank you to the fans. I think this, this song in particular feels like that to me. Absolutely. And I know that like when we talked about it previously, trying to figure out all the Easter eggs of which bits of what songs from the past that they brought into it. And I was trying to do it again, you know, today while I was listening to the album. And there's just so many elements in this song that they have taken from their past. And yeah, it's still one of my favorites as well. Now, the title track of the album, Future Past, what's your thoughts on that? The first word I put down on this one, anthemic. I just felt like this was a tune that you'd have your lighter in the audience and you'd be swaying yep. back It and would forth. be your mobile phone now, to be fair. Just from your age. <laughs> it would be the lighter app on your mobile phone if you can still do that. I'm even showing my age even more for, for that one. But, um, but yeah, I thought, again, just a, a really good song. And it is so, that's just what this whole album is about. And I think it's, it's a great choice of, of, of album title as well. Because Simon talks about looking to your past, but not forgetting to look forward to your future and, and that sort of thing. So I think it's a, a great, great lyrics in the song. I felt it was quite sentimental, but so heartfelt. So, you know, it, it wasn't schmaltzy or anything like that. It really just feels like that, that Simon is just like feeling the love. Do you know, when I first heard it and then what I wrote down was, it almost felt kind of Christmassy as if they were thinking, right, this We'll maybe try this one for the Christmas number one. Ooh, wouldn't that be interesting? And then I thought they, particularly again, the chorus, it was ABBA-esque, I thought. I thought it was like, it was anthemic, but it gave me that feel of, of that kind of classic kind of 1970s type uh, song. And I think there's a brilliant guitar solo slotted in on it as well. It, had a, it felt really Christmassy, just the very start of it. I could just see Simon around a Christmas tree outside with the snow falling and Nick riding in the back of a reindeer. And... <laughs> kind of like he, he rode the elephant in, hung, in uh, Hunger Like, or no, Save a Prayer. 
Exactly. Brilliant. That's it. That, then that connects the past to the present. Please, yeah. please, please let Duran Duran hear this podcast <laughs> and take that idea away. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd mentioned that we're listening to the uh, we've been listening to the deluxe edition of Future Past. So the three extra tracks on it, and the first of these is a song called Velvet Newton. Felt like it was it kind of stumbled from the Medazzaland sessions for me. It's quite short, quite unusual. And I thought if I'd heard that in Medazzaland, it would have fitted perfectly with the whole vibe of that album. That's interesting. Um, what made me laugh was I felt it was more of an instrumental than, than a proper song. And I just had to have a little giggle to myself that, you know, for your deep love of instrumentals, how you would have felt about this one. But um, my first, first thoughts were that it sounds like Nick got to really play with the song. And it's, it, it definitely sounds like, like his song. I definitely, I think you did have some. And I think when we did the Medazzaland album, it was clear that he was front and centre of, of that whole album from the very first track. Yeah, I totally agree with you with that one. We next come to the first of two of the, the songs that Giorgio Moroder worked on. He obviously worked in Tonight United, which comes straight after Beautiful Lies. What did you think of this song? Funnily enough, I don't actually have any notes for this song, but it's one that I have, when I have been kind of jumping around in the album today, I do go back to this one because it, it has, you know, pretty catchy lyrics to it that stick in my head. And I probably, I guess it wasn't one of those, the ones that really knocked me out at my first on the first impression, but I don't think that it's a bad song at all. Yeah, it's a good song. I don't really have anything one way or the other to say about it. I like the way it builds up to the chorus. I really like that. And what the first thing I actually wrote down was Pet Shop Boys. See, I think we've got a role reversal tonight because I just remember what it was I was going to say that um, as per my usual thing to do is I, I try to see where there's resemblances to other songs and that sort of thing. And I had thought during the course of listening to this album that it's really unique. I haven't been able to place it with other um, similar sounding songs or anything like that. But you've already hit ABBA and now you've hit Pet Shop Boys. So very interesting. We've got a role reversal going on tonight. <laughs> and the other thing that I noticed, somebody earlier on in the week had posted, they must have had an advanced copy, so they posted the sleeve notes. So it told you who wrote the songs, who played on them. And I think this is the first of several songs that Simon's daughter sings backing vocals. She provides some of the backing vocals on this song. So I thought that must have been quite strange, but quite nice for him. I think it's Saffron Le Bon, is she a singer? And um, it must have been quite nice for him then to be, you know, half her singing on his album. Just another link, future past, you know, just straight on in there. They're so I clever. <laughs> and the other George Moroder song, uh, Tonight United, we've already heard that as a, a single. From the initial four songs that we'd heard, that would have been my fourth one from like uh, More Joy, Anniversary, Invisible. I actually think, again, it's, it's wouldn't be one of my absolute highlights of the album. I think it fits within the album in the way that they've structured the album. I think it fits in really well. And so I, I, I listen to it much more easily than when I was listening to the initial four songs. And so I think, it, and then maybe just the fact it comes straight after Beautiful Lies, which was also Giorgio Moroder, I think that maybe helped. I completely agree with you. And that was one of the first notes that I put on it. Sounds in sync with the rest of the album. It, it does just flow quite nicely from one track to the next. I have to say though, 
like you, I kind of put it as my number four out of the, the singles. But now that I've listened to it a few more times over, over the course of the day, it's one that I, that I do quite like. And, and it probably would change my, I think my, um, my scoring would change ever so slightly as far as their singles go. Well, I'm still, I'm all about the joy. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done that. So it's done the first eight of the 15 tracks in the deluxe edition of Future Past. And we'd said already what we've done is we're kind of going through the internet earlier on this week. And obviously some people were lucky enough to get advanced copies of the album. So what we've done is just taken wee reviews and just to give you know a wee taste of how some of the early reviews of the album Future Past and what reaction that people have had to it. The first review is from a guy called Paul Sinclair, who I think it's a, a website, superdeluxeedition.com. And Paul writes, Future Past has no truly bad songs, just many very good ones and a trio of exceptional numbers, none of which were chosen as singles. A special word for Simon Le Bon, who is on top form. His singing, his lyrics and his melodies in Future Past are a vast improvement on Paper Gods and are a significant factor in the album's success. Heart and soul are back, but you can properly hear Nick John and Roger and Duran Duran really do sound like Duran Duran again. There's a real quirkiness and charm to some of the mid-paced album tracks like Nothing Less and Give It All Up. I wasn't convinced Duran Duran had it in them to make another good album. They haven't done that. They've made a great one. That is a good review. That is a damn fine review. And I just, I can't disagree with any single bit of, of what he had to say. You know, the line that he put in there, heart and soul are back. And that's, you know, I suppose when I was saying um, about the earlier track where it felt kind of sentimental, but not in a bad way, it's heartfelt. That that was a word that I had used. And I, and I really do feel like they have just been so Duran Duran on this album. And, and, you know, that just makes it fantastic. Then we've got a review from Jason Lent, who is Velvet Rebel Music, one of our usual contributors to the podcast. And what he has said is, Stripping back the hyperbole, Future Past is one of the best Duran Duran albums since the 1980s. Whoop, whoop. The songs are leaner, the collaboration's more meaningful. Graham Coxon sounds fully integrated into the band as a guitarist, and the production far less dense than what they found in 2015's rather forgettable Paper Gods. The band's greatest strength has always been a real desire to explore their art, much like the artists which inspired them from David Bowie to Roxy Music. Sure, the hit singles and sold-out shows matter to the band, but knowing they have added another worthy work of art to their collection probably matters more. With Future Past, the band have proven yet again that Duran Duran are essential to popular music. I just go back to the fact that, you know, this is a band that truly love to make music. They're not looking to, to just rehash the past. They want to do new stuff and great stuff. I was just going to say that that's just a wee snippet from Jason's Review. You can read the full review on his website, velvetrebelmusic.com. I would urge you to read it. It's a brilliant review. It's into a lot of detail. And uh, I think he posted that on Wednesday. And I, I have to say, I really enjoyed reading that review. So I would check the full review out. Uh, we've got another review here. And this one is from Daryl Easley uh, from Record Collector magazine. Future past is bold and brazen. A unified, coherent, consistent statement. Duran Duran have made the best Duran Duran album possibly since Rio. 
Nick Rhodes, arguably the band's leader, talks of a renewed energy and determination with this record. It is a hoot. Seriously, give it a listen. Now, just to hear a Scottish accent say hoot has made my night. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. But that was an interesting point that he made um, about Nick Rhodes being arguably the band's leader. And I guess, I don't know, I've never thought of Nick as being the leader. Yes, you know, when we talked about Medazzaland, how he kind of took over a lot of the songwriting responsibilities and that sort of thing. But I've always just kind of put Simon as the ringleader. Do you know it's interesting you say that? Because I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, a program, it's, it's often on Sky Arts in the UK, that's called uh, Classic Albums. And they've done one on Rio. And when they do the re-album, the rest of them had gone out to Sri Lanka, partly in holiday. And then I think they were going to do filming for the videos. Nick had stayed behind to work in the production of the album and then joined them later. And I think even since Rio, at that point, you realised that he was the guy who was, he wanted to get the sound absolutely right. And, you know, the rest of them, once they'd done that, it was almost like once they, they thought it was finished, that was them, they could go and enjoy themselves. But he was just so precise. And I think at that point, that you could see in terms of musical direction and how he wanted them sound, he, he was the guy that was, he said he had his finger on the pulse. Yeah, definitely. I think I think he was, and it has always seemed to me that he is the experimenter and he's the one that, that likes to, and, and perfectionist, really. But I guess I just had never really thought of him necessarily as, as being the leader of the band. But there you go. Now, I'm so glad I get to do this review because it's such a well-established, respected um, magazine in the music world. And um, this is a review that comes from Rolling Stone magazine. Fab at 40. In their 40th anniversary year, Duran Duran have made an album that celebrates their 80s past but one that looks firmly to the future via bold electronic collaborations with the likes of Tove Lo and Chai. With Graham Coxon on guitar for several tracks too, this is one of their best albums in years. And I was just like, yay, yay, yay. Because I think the NME has never been a particularly big fan of Duran Duran, but I think Rolling Stone have been okay with them. But to have a big magazine like that give their thumbs up, I'm well pleased for the guys. Yeah, and I think they were chuffed with it because they retweeted that review. That's where I saw it. They were obviously really pleased that they got that endorsement from Rolling Stone. Excellent. Nice one. Shall we move back to the last tracks of the album then? We shall. So the next one up we have is Wing. Did you like that one then, Paul? I wrote, wow, double exclamation mark. The guitar intro, I think, is amazing. I think it's very cinematic sounding. And again, like there's, there's been songs all through what we've been doing where, you know, where we talk about people sometimes being a bit dismissive of Duran Duran. And we say, well, go and listen to this song because this proves that they are brilliant songwriters, brilliant musicians. And again, if people want to listen to a brilliant song, then go and listen to Wing. It just absolutely, I just thought it was incredible. There's several favourites and they're all, I think they're all coming up. But this, I think, wing is just wow. I agree. The first thing that I wrote about this one was sounds like a Bond song. Absolutely. And I, the the 007 movies, they're always so well known for having, you know, great artists do the themes, the the theme tunes uh, for the for the for the movies. And Duran Duran have obviously done A View to a Kill, and I just thought this would be so fit in so well with the next Bond movie. Um, I've not seen the, the, the most recent one, but 
if there's going to be another one planned, you know, I think they need to, to go back to Duran Duran and ask him to do that one. But, you know, we've talked about it before. They, they do they do produce songs that are very cinematic. And this is just, this is absolutely one of them. And I, I, I love the song as well. It's a great tune. And I wonder if that was one of the reviews we read there when the guy had said, I think it was for the super deluxe edition.com, said that three exceptional songs, none of which have been chosen as singles. And I, I wonder, my guess is that's one of them. Because, you know, what we're saying earlier on that, you know, is this album just going to appeal to fans? That song will appeal to fans. But for me, that song should elevate it beyond just Duran Duran fans. If people hear that song, for me, they should be thinking, they don't know who it is. Who on earth is that band? I need to go and listen to them because that is just brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So on to the next one, Nothing Less. And I've told a fib, I'm afraid. I said that I haven't associated any of this album with, with any other artists. <laughs> but I did actually put on this one a bit Roxy Music-esque. I think it might be, I don't know, it was the chorus that kind of reminded me of, of a, a bit of a, of a Roxy Music song. But um, yeah, I did make that note. But me being the Roger fan that I am, it was the drums that made it for me on this song, Cracking Drums. Well, I wrote that my first word in this was, wow, double exclamation mark. Having been blown away by Wing, then immediately followed by nothing less, I'm thinking, oh my God. I thought the chorus was absolutely addictive. It felt like a classic Duran Duran song, but completely modern. Um, Mm -hmm. And I loved the guitar on this as well. I thought the guitar was brilliant on it. And again, you know, to follow up. So if you were taking it as side A or side B, to follow up Wing with nothing less, I'm just, I'm I'm in complete musical ecstasy at this point. A bit of a spoiler alert, but I think the second half of the album is just amazing. Yes, fair enough. I think the whole album is pretty damn good, but I think this the second half is just stunning. I don't think there's a there's a song on this the the second side, so to speak, that I don't like. The next song is one of the the extra tracks. So this is the second of the three extra tracks that you get on the deluxe edition, "Laughing Boy." And for this one, I started off by writing, wow, double exclamation mark. <laughs> I'm missing I'm a theme here, Paul. <laughs> oh, my God. This is brilliant. This is just, what a song this is. I absolutely love this song. I think Nick is brilliant on this. I think the chorus is just, it's just been ringing in my head. You know, it's like one, two, three. I just, uh, song after song after song. And again, if for no other reason than to listen to Laughing Boy, I think people should either get or download or stream or however, listen to the deluxe edition, listen to Laughing Boy, and you will be laughing, smiling, and thanking us. Absolutely. And um, what I had put down on this one is, is again, it very much uh, harks back to their earlier albums. I don't know if it was, I felt like the, you know, on um, Hungry Like the Wolf, where there's like the slow buildup and then it, it builds to a crescendo at, at the intro. I felt there was a little bit of that going on, on on this one. So I liked that it, it went back to the olden days. And then the ending of it with John thumping his bass, you know, that is just, that's Duran Duran. And I've said it a few times already, but yeah, his bass is just awesome in this one. Yeah. There's a great guitar solo, I think, in the middle of it as well. Because I think Graham Coxon's really, he doesn't take over, but it's, you know, he fits in, I think, within the Duran Duran sound, but it just gives it a wee bit of an edge. But I think more than any other album, I totally agree with you. Uh, John's bass just jumps out at me in every song. And again, he looks as if 
he's just having an absolute blast. I guess if you think about it, you know, all of the the crap that he has gone through in his life as, as a rock god, for him to come out the other side, not looking like um, like the guitarist from the Rolling Stones, <laughs> you know, I think that that he can actually still thump that bass like he does and and make the sounds that he does. He must be living his best life these days and just thinking, how the hell have I got through all that? But man, I'm going to make the most of it. Absolutely. Right. So the next track we have Hammerhead. Did you like that one? The first thing I wrote down for Hammerhead was... <laughs> Can I guess? <laughs> Off you go. Was it wow with maybe three exclamation points? No, it's still, still just the two, but <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I, I wrote that as well. Again, I, I think this song, this is one another one that I think Simon's Daughter sings on. And then it's got like a, a rapper, Ivorian Doll. I googled her and it's, she's an English-born rapper and also an internet personality, whatever that means. But um, means I, better what, all these days. Well, you know what I really liked about it was that, you know, we've said in previous albums, and whether Simon inadvertently has been listening to the albums, Simon don't rap. And so this time he's let other people rap. As a result, it sounds so much better. It does. And I mean, it just, I think that if they release this up, this song as a single, it would gain so many new fans because it's so of the moment with her rapping on it. And thank God, hopefully he's finally seen the light that he never has to rap again. Let's get some experts in to do it. But I read um, just in that article that I had read earlier, John Taylor had talked about them working with this Ivorian doll. Apparently she's only like 23, 24 years old. And I guess they had, they had heard her and brought her into the studio um, and she came in with a whole entourage. They, she had a lyricist and um, she had all kinds of other people to, to back her up. And I think they were all like, oh, you funny little child. We have been doing this for oh so long. And, you know, you're so naive. But I think they've actually learned a lot of new stuff from her as much as she's probably learned from them. And I just think this is the freshest track and I'm not trying to be down with the kids, trying to use any any lingo like that, but it is just fan fucking tastic. <laughs> Sorry for swearing, but I just this is such an amazing song, and I really liked it because some of the lyrics they're a bit random, and that just went back to you know Simon's early days for his poems in his notebook. So it just had all the great things from Duran Duran past, and they're bang up to date with having the rapper in it. So. This has to be my favourite song of the album. Well, the mm. next song is a, a third of the three extra tracks, Invocation. And it's just a short track. It kind of, where Hammerhead ends, there's just a slight, slight gap. And then the music just continues from what you heard at the end of that into just a slightly different song. And it's almost a kind of, even without the gap, it'd just be a nice way to just, just kind of mellow it out. So actually, it's just a short one, but it works well. I just... You know, I wish and I hope and I dream that one day we actually do get to speak to Duran Duran because I really am fascinated how they almost always stick an instrumentally type interlude into almost every single one of their albums. And I just wonder, why do they do it? Are, are they trying to bring back, like, cool down the pace of the album? I just, I, I don't understand it. And I think I, I, I preferred the Velvet Newton to invocation. I, I didn't think too much of invocation. I mean, it was okay. 
Well, do you know what yeah. I, I, I quite liked about it? His positioning was that you've gone from wing, nothing less, and this, this album, Laughing Boy, Hammerhead, just classic after classic after classic after classic. And it's almost like, just take a wee breather and then we'll, we'll be back in two minutes with another couple of brilliant songs. <laughs> and it works for me. Absolutely. And, and yeah, maybe it allows you to rest your weary feet so you can get ready to go for more joy. Listen, more joy. You know, when I was saying to you, I had this vision of the band just smiling and just totally having a lot of fun. That's what more joy for me. It's a band that have just they're just doing something that's a bit out there. It's really modern. As I say, I think that's a song that could sit perfectly in the BBC Six Music playlists if people weren't if they weren't so you know such music snobs against a band like Duran Duran. It's just so joyful, and it's just it's a band that are having a total blast and enjoying themselves. And I am all about the more joy. I love this. I just lo- I love this song. I know you love it, and and you know I think it's okay. But I, I don't get as much joy from it as you do, that's for <laughs> sure. But, you know, as far as the band just loving life and enjoying themselves, yeah, I think it is just personified in this song. And then a few days ago, the anniversary video came out. I don't know if you've you've had a chance to watch it yet, but it is just such a, a fun video. And it's so Duran Duran. And they just look like they had such an awesome time messing around with that video. I didn't really, I mean, I, I'm not really into the videos. So I just watched it because you had mentioned it. So I kind of don't get it. It's it's fine, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to watch it again. I'll just listen to the music. Yeah, I mean, just back to my point, you know, these guys are knocking on 60, just over 60, and they are still having such fun. And to be able to produce songs like More Joy, videos for Anniversary, and just all the tracks on the on the second half of the album, are just, you would never guess that it was 60-year-old men who were putting this album out. We've gone through, this is 15, track 15 on the 15th studio album, appropriately enough. The last song is called Falling. Does it stand or fall for you? I couldn't quite decide. Yes, first and foremost, love the song, but I just couldn't quite decide if the addition of Mike Garson onto it was necessary or if it was just a, a case of this fairly well-known pianist says, oh, I fancy working with you. Then they're like, okay, okay, okay. Because it felt kind of bolted on to a certain extent, his pieces to it. I didn't know who he was, to be perfectly honest. I had to Google, but he's worked with Bowie. He was part of the band. He's done a lot of stuff retrospectively after um, Bowie's death. He's worked with Nine Inch Nails. He's worked with, with Smashing Pumpkins. So he has been working with some artists that are, well cool but it just yeah it felt a little bit bit of an afterthought him getting stuck on that out that song for this one i didn't write my usual uh what i wrote was wow double exclamation mark wow double exclamation mark this song blew me away i think the piano intro is actually breathtaking because it just it sounds completely different and then suddenly it blends in with next synths and then the piano then the synths and then when the drum and bass kick in I think it's amazing. It's an absolute classic Duran Duran ballad. It was certainly in the first few listens, it was a song more than any other. To finish off an album with a song of that, for me, that quality was just astounding, actually. And that whole second side was just incredible. I, I think Fallen is 
an amazing song, actually. And uh, as I say, I thought the piano intro for me was just wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, I suppose because we don't really associate just a bog standard piano sound with Duran Duran because we've got all of, of um, Nick's synthesizers and keyboards and that sort of thing. So I guess maybe that was what it was. It just it was something totally different for them. But yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I think it is a still a great song. And like you always tend to, to rate things, a good opener and a good closer. And this one, this one definitely delivers. But I think in between that, this time, as we've kind of seen you mentioned already, I think right at the very start, in between that, that there's no weak links, there's no tracks that you would you would skip. I think the standard, by the time it gets to the end of Fallen, and as I say, particularly all those songs, song after song after brilliant song, I kind of felt like punching the air when I, when I got to the end once I'd listened to it. And I just thought, this album, for a, a new album, there's some songs there that you'll be listening to in years and years that'll just become, for me, kind of standard Duran Duran classics. I totally agree with that one because I, I have felt giddy all day just listening to it. And, <laughs> and you know, for the, for the podcast, I have listened to each of the albums over and over and over again. But this has literally been just about all day, starting it, finishing it, going back to the beginning, playing it all the way through. Then I started kind of moving around, picking out the songs that I, that I liked a little bit more than others. But, oh, my God, I, I absolutely, you know, we haven't obviously finished all, all 15 albums yet. And we're, we're going to do the, um, our top fives. But I have to say, spoiler alert, I think this is going to be in one of the, the top five positions for me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm interested to see even how we look at it in a couple of months' time once we get to it as album number 15. Because obviously you've had a few more listens whether the same songs are the favourites, whether the songs that initially captured your attention change. I'm guessing neither of us are suddenly going to after two months go, now we've changed our mind. This is terrible. But I was, you know, I said to you, I was in a mixture of excitement and listened to it, but also nervousness. And then there was a, at the end of it, there was a, a mixture of joy and also relief that actually, because I've been telling people, what, for example, there's a new Duran Duran album coming out. And, and so therefore, although they all know I'm going to say it's great, I know that if any of them go and listen to it in, in Spotify, I'm thinking, if I'm being truthfully honest, they, they must enjoy it. I think so. And and it's it's not... I really hope for the band that it gains them new fans because it is so worthy. You know, it, it's, it's a modern album and I think it deserves to be popular. And who knows? I don't know if, if it will appear anywhere in the charts or anything like that. To be honest, I haven't followed the, the charts in forever. but. It is such a worthwhile album. It's just great. And I really, really hope that they do the Christmas single. <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant. That would just make the perfect end to the year. Maybe they've got the, the timing of the release of the album. They've done it specifically so, you know, they can maybe do a couple more singles maybe and then bam. Christmas number one, Future Past. Bring that out. Classic Christmas video. Remember where you heard it first. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's us. The first of the two podcasts we'll do on Future Past, which has been brilliant. Inverted commas, working from home, <laughs> listening to Duran Duran all day. <laughs> but it's been brilliant to listen to new Duran Duran music and more than not be disappointed, be absolutely delighted with what they've given us. Yes. Thank you, Duran Duran, for 
going through the shit of the 1990s that you obviously went through to get to this point, because I think you had to go through all of that to arrive at future past. And yeah, I think it has held up as a kind of almost a concept album, really taking the theme of future past to heart. They obviously loved it. I think, you know, they love being in the band. I think they love their fans for doing this sort of stuff. And yeah, wow. Well, that is the word of the word of the podcast. <laughs> What's really interesting is, you know, having gone from this, we then go back on track with the 10th studio album, which is Pop Trash. So that'll be quite interesting then to then jump back into the past, the Duran Duran past, and see our, what our experiences are of, again, one of the maybe lesser known albums before they kind of reunited and I suppose refound their focus. Yeah, um, I don't know Pop Trash all that well, but even even just um, thinking back to, to when they reunited with Astronaut, I'm thinking Future Past blows Astronaut out of the water. But uh, yeah, I, I'm quite looking forward to, just like you know all the other podcasts, building and comparing the, the albums as you know in chronological order and now to have this kind of out of sync listening to to the brand new album it's going to be difficult not to to reference it back and compare it to um to the forthcoming albums that we're going to do That'll yeah be interesting. We'll look forward to that but for now it's all about future past excellent everybody enjoy it thanks for joining us on the duran duran albums podcast and we hope you enjoyed the show if you can subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us, that will help other Duranis to find us. And of course, if you can spread the word about the podcast, all the better. You can also let us know what you think of the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at albumsduran or email us at durandoran at paulcudahy.com. Join us next time on the podcast. And in the meantime, keep listening to Duran Duran like some new romantic looking for the TV sound.